Hello and welcome to Life Changes You. I'm Daniel and I hope that you've had a really good week. I just wanted to touch base before I introduce my next guest uh, because uh, we've been uh, blowing up over the last few months and we're now listened to, obviously, here in Australia where the podcast is produced, but also the US, Canada, Singapore, UK, the Ukraine, Ireland, France, China. We're pretty much going all over the world and it's really good to see. I'm glad people are interested in listening to stories about mental health, inspirational people. But if you do like the podcast, can you subscribe, share, write a review, tell your friends about it and let people know what you've got out of it. So that would really help me and it would help others to know that uh, Life Changes You is around. Thank you. So now I'm going to introduce you to Emma, who is from End of the Silent Epidemic. So hello, Emma. How are you? Hey, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me on here. And, uh, you know, I was just listening to your intro there. And um, I I just want to say that uh, I want to endorse, to be honest, your little intro there, because I'm just I've been listening to your podcasts, uh, you know, coming on. And this is such an honor. And so I've kind of been doing a little bit of, um, you know, what's it called like binging your podcast okay uh, that's good you know they're just they're really pretty incredible so uh um i'm i really endorse that message you just said there if if people can subscribe um it's really worth it i think you'll get a lot out of it but uh anyway my name is emma and um i am the the founder and director of the youth mental health and youth suicide prevention campaign and what I like to now call a movement, actually, um, called End the Silent Epidemic. And you're based in Boston, Massachusetts? That is correct. Uh, Based in Boston. But what I actually find so exciting, kind of uh, like what you just alluded to, is that um, this has become so global, which um, I think is one of the um, actual few advantages of COVID is that... um, when, when we all went on lockdown and Zoom and everything became such a big deal, we realized how interconnected we all are and how easy it is to, uh, you know, how someone in Australia, someone in America and someone in India are all sharing very similar issues and going through very similar things. And, and that's not to say that culture and things like that don't matter and stuff, but, you know, uh, we're very interconnected. And so it's actually only about half of my followers that are from America. The other half are from uh, other places throughout the world. Yeah. And look, I mean, you're so right there because when COVID first started, um, I lost a lot of people who I was going to interview because uh, they were stressed about COVID. Uh, we couldn't get in the studio. And it wasn't until... A little while afterwards, I realized this great thing called Zoom. And then we started doing some Zoom podcasts. And then uh, I had someone from Germany who uh, emailed me and said, hey, could I come on and talk about such and such on your podcast? And I went, yeah, yeah, that sounds really good. And then all of a sudden, all these people from all around the world started saying, hey, can I come on the podcast? And Zoom really opened up. Um, us talking about mental health and finding inspirational people, which I think without COVID, maybe we wouldn't have all latched onto Zoom and realised that the world is a big place that we can actually get to quite easily now. You know what? It's so true. And um, COVID has been such a horrific, painful thing. And But, you know, thank God, what one sil- this is one nice silver lining that has come out of it, I would yeah. say. Definitely. We wouldn't be doing this podcast now. I mean, you can do them over the phone, but 
I find as with my background in counselling, if I see the person, I can pick up on their uh, body movements, eye movements, uh, how they're sitting, if they're sitting forward and they're open or if they're sitting back and like, no, I don't want to talk about this. So for me, it's really easy to do a a podcast talking to someone about mental health because I can pick up all those little nuances that you wouldn't get by talking on the phone. And especially just gaps in conversation where like you will stop and then I'll start speaking or then I'll stop and you start speaking. On the phone, you don't know when someone's going to stop talking, you know? Oh, absolutely. I Zoom, I mean, it's so fun. I, I swear to God, if I had a time machine, I, I think the one thing I would do is buy stock in Zoom. <laughs> right? <And> Amazon. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Do you want to tell us how um, uh, End of Silent Epidemic started then? Yeah, so that I would love to actually. Um, so it's actually really interesting, I think, our founding. We are actually a very new campaign all things considered we're only seven months old and i say that because i just i feel so incredibly lucky for how far we've come and and the fact that i that i can even call us a campaign uh at seven months um because uh when we were founded the real answer to that question is is that um and the silent epidemic was kind of founded on accident in a way. And what I mean by that is that seven months ago, um, it was actually January 1st, so literally New Year's Day. And I was on Christmas break. I was back seven months ago, I was in nursing school and I was on Christmas break from nursing school. And I was a few days away from going back to my very last semester. So I only had three months left to graduate. Um, uh, I was three months away from getting my my bachelor's of science in in nursing. And New Year's Day 2021, I fell and I broke my neck in two places. Wow. So my life changed in an instant. I would like to say, um, because people obviously can't see me, this is a podcast, I am very fortunate. I am doing very well. Um, I was not paralyzed. Um, I did not have to have surgery. So all things considered, I am so incredibly lucky. But when I did fall uh, seven months ago, the prognosis was unknown. Um, they, they weren't sure how bad it was, if I would need surgery, how long the recovery time would be. And one thing was for sure, um, I definitely couldn't go back to nursing school that semester. Um, and they were concerned maybe I might never be able to go back. Um, you know, all sorts of things were up in the air. So in an instant, my life kind of went from being very planned and kind of very on track to um, being completely like, uh, okay, well, what the F if you, if you don't mind me saying, you know? Um, and uh, I, I would just like to say, um, I have, Daniel and I have spoken about this. Uh, I have been through um, some darker times before and that's also a big reason behind the founding of End the Silent Epidemic, but for reasons that I I can't speak about, I'm unfortunately not able to speak about that right now. But um, Daniel has so uh, very kindly offered to have me back on um, when I am able to speak openly about that, um, that, uh, 
experience that happened to me that uh, caused me um, s- such significant um, trauma and pain that um, that really uh, is the maybe even bigger reason behind the founding of End the Silent Epidemic. Yeah, it's like but, the catalyst, uh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The real, the, the breaking the neck was kind of the the why I started it now, but the story I'll share um, when I can, let's, let's say hopefully in about six months or so. Um, that's just a rough guess. I have no idea. Um, Our lives are quite parallel in the fact that, I mean, I didn't break my neck. I, I got fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, and that led me to go and study counseling, which then changed my whole life. And you broke your neck and then you started in the silent epidemic, which changed your life. Um, exactly. I guess both of us in those situations are sitting there going, what's happening to me? What am I going to be able to do? What can I achieve? Is this going to be the rest of my life? And then from there, your life opens up and new opportunities come that you create yourself. Well, you know, it's so funny because you know how we were talking about the whole Zoom thing and I said that it was the silver lining of COVID. Um, I've come to see, and and I am, let me just say, uh, I am not a religious or spiritual person, so I don't say this in some sort of um, religious or spiritual way, but I do really believe that things happen for a reason and that, that they're I don't mean this, uh, people say this sometimes as a, as like a, a brush off, so I don't mean it like this at all, but um, that there is often something very beautiful that can come out of things that are very horrible or difficult. So for example, uh, you know, me breaking my neck to go a little further with that, um, why I chose to kind of go forward with End the Silent Epidemic was that to just very briefly uh, explain something and the, the coincidence here or the the irony, I'm not sure what to call it, is is pretty intense. Um, seven years prior, I had actually been, uh, I originally wanted to be a physician, not a nurse. Yep. And seven years prior, I had actually been in uh, medical school because my first degree was in psychology. So I, I've been a, in a, a mental health, um, you know, I've been all about mental health for years. I got my bachelor's in psychology in 2013. Um, and then I was admitted to four medical schools. And my intention was to become a, either a psychiatrist or a primary care physician with a focus on um, helping uh, really get mental health um you know, uh, a fo- focus on mental health in the primary care setting. Yeah. Uh, so I was accepted to medical schools and um, I chose a school in New York and five weeks into school, I was uh, hit by a drunk driver and my neck was broken so severely that I had to have it rebuilt with a titanium uh, cage. So uh, the irony, trust me, is not lost on me uh, of that I have had my neck broken twice, uh, but the reason I bring that up is that when that happened the first time, things got really dark because I, I lost, I lost my way. I lost my dream. I lost, you know, where I was going in life and what I was going to do. So when it happened again, this January, I, I said, you know, I can't go down that road again. I cannot, I, I just cannot, if, if I go down that road again, I don't know if I will make it. So 
what is, what is another direction that I can go? So that is how I found End the Silent Epidemic. And I said, the other direction I can go is positivity. And I don't mean that in some like fake positivity, like, you know, like, oh, like Pollyanna way. I just meant, you know what? I'm going to step outside of myself because I am not the only person in the world suffering, not by far. And I am going to just see the way and the silent epidemic started was just, I'm just going to start once a day, just seeing if there's one person I can help, one positive thing I can say, one positive meme I can post. That was literally this, how simple it started. Yeah. Because you've already been through it once. Obviously, the second time it happens, you, it brings back all those thoughts of the first time. Luckily, the second time, it wasn't as bad as the first time, but you'd still be imagining it as bad as the first time. Yeah, so exactly. It was, it was like I'd been through this before and I knew how dark it could get. So I decided I'm, I'm, I'm not going down that path. I'm going down another. So it's, it started out really small, but what's just so exciting is that in seven months, it has become a full-blown campaign. We have an education component. We have activism. We have resources. We're actually running two activism initiatives simultaneously. We release three education, original education reels each month, each authored by a different mental health specialist. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just become huge. I have four people on my team. I've partnered with two incredible people, each of whom are mental health advocates and warriors of note in their own right. I mean, it's the fact what it's turned into in seven months. I just, I, I can't, I just feel so blessed. I mean, suicide is something that people don't want to start a conversation about. And I don't know if it was because I did a post yesterday about suicide, but the amount of likes on that post were a third compared to what I would usually get on my posts. Um, And also I lost about 1,200 followers overnight. So I don't know if it's because I spoke about suicide and they didn't like that or they just want to see the positive stuff I usually put up, but that's okay. I mean, People, I think when we spoke in an Instagram live, we talked about it and said that uh, more people will probably listen to the podcast because then they're just listening at home and no one knows who's listening. I think people, when it's on Instagram live or something like that, where your name comes up, some people are afraid that other people will see them uh, listening to that conversation because for some reason people don't want to speak about suicide. Well, so first of all, I just... For people who don't know, um, Daniel here is, he is really, you know, we're going to get into this a bit, but we're running this amazing initiative for kids who are currently hospitalized and he really believes in it. So because of that, he's um, been helping us out by doing these lives every week, uh, as well as he's doing this podcast. Um, And so, you know, as you just heard, as as a result of that, um, he lost over a thousand followers. So, you know, you know, first of all, Daniel, we should talk about if we should keep moving forward with that, but no, no, no. Um, look, I mean, you know, look, it could be coincidence, but um, yeah. last night was when I did the post and this morning when yeah. I woke up, there was a lot of people that had just dropped off, um, but, but that's well, okay. I mean, you know, we have to talk important. about things. It's important because what it really shows is the thing is, is I don't think it is a fluke and that's, what's really sad 
that shows how pervasive the stigma is. And that is why I named my campaign and the silent epidemic, because the stigma component of mental health and suicide is so pervasive and so intense that um, I'll just preface this for people by saying I'm, I'm a real nerd. Um, I use my free time to read peer reviewed scientific articles. So that's, that's me. I'm real cool. Um, So uh, there was a meta analysis of 50 youth suicide and and youth mental health um, research studies. And the top two reasons they found for why um, youth are committing suicide and, and more importantly, why they're not asking for help uh, when before, you know, attempting suicide is the number one reason is um, lack of knowledge and basic education about mental health. And that is largely due to um, the fact that um, I don't know if this is true in Australia, but it is true in the United States. Not a single school in the United States teaches mental health um, as, you know, as a mandatory subject. Um, It's, in fact, it's very much, you know, ignored and stigmatized. And then the number two cause and, and, and here, here's a statistic for you. So stigma and the negative social ramifications that people perceived would accompany admitting having mental health issues yeah. caused 92% of youth to not seek help when they were suicidal. Yeah. 92%. So that is how strong the stigma is. And, and that I think is also when you talk about that, I mean, if you're looking at people, I guess, around 12 to 20, they're, they're developing their sense of self and their peer group is so important. And if, if we're not opening up and talking about these sort of things and mental health, that, that it is a normal thing, then if you're a 15 year old boy or girl and you suffer from anxiety, depression, you don't want to tell your friends in the group because you don't know how they're going to react. And kids don't always realize, uh, well, I guess empathy and compassion isn't really part of your life at 15, is it? Right. That's so true. That's so true. So Um, we really need to train younger people, not train them, but, um, Uh, put it out there to help them understand that mental health issues are a normal thing. I mean, I don't know how many people go to therapy here in Australia by watching your TV shows in America. It seems that everybody goes and their dogs. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, if, if they can, the issue is now that people can't get appointments because, you know, there's just not uh, enough spaces essentially, but you're right that everyone wants to and and tries to go to therapy and you know you and i had discussed on the live i believe that in australia there's something like a like a i don't know how much how many month waiting list i think it's about two to three months maybe six months even if you want to go to one of the free ones if you can afford to pay i think you're looking at about a two-month waiting list but uh that that's way above what most people could afford anyway if you were going weekly when you're suicidal, we're talking about seconds that matter. Two well, suicide months, would be different. It would be a cat right, thing. Of course, yeah. yeah. But, but still, when, when someone's struggling with mental health, 
two months is it, that's that's just unacceptable it's unacceptable but I, I could go on and on but you know it, it us to, when we were talking about um, youth uh, and stigma, it brought me to something I wanted to talk about, which is our first initiative, which is kind of exciting, which is one way we're trying to kind of address this thing about stigma and uh, uh, amongst youth when it comes to mental health is um, there's actually a very interesting statistic, which is that even though it's true what you said, that youth are very worried about what people will think about them if if they admit to to struggling um what's even more true is that the stigma of mental health is even stronger and more pervasive amongst older people aka their parents yeah so statistics show that youth are actually turning to each other far more frequently than they are to um, adults and to their parents when they need help. So more specifically, 67% of the time, youth turn to another youth when to admit that they are having suicidal thoughts instead of or before admitting it to a, an adult or a parent. Well, I was going to say, so is there no initiatives in schools talking about um, you know, where they have a counsellor or someone come in and, and just talk to them as a group, like, you know, we need to support each other. Uh, there's counsellors. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that would be, be yeah. great? Um, you know, I, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth and say that there's absolutely nothing like that anywhere, but I've done a lot of research, and what I will say is there is just not nearly what there should be, and if if I'm correct, I haven't found any like formal um, trainings or that sort of thing that you just mentioned. And in in America, for instance, there's for every um, what they call school counselor, which I don't even think they're necessarily a, a mental health trained professional. They may be, but either way, it's one school counselor to every fifteen hundred students. Wow. So. That's that's the level of resource you get. So well, we actually need to look at the mental health of that counselor working with fifteen hundred people. Right, right. How is that per- poor person doing exactly? But what you know, we're not. There's no way in, in heck that they're going to be. And and unfortunately, instead of treating it smartly by you know hosting you know classes and and teaching people things all at once, you know what they do is is that one counselor will see individual students on an emergency basis but you know that just doesn't do much and they can only see so many people so yeah so that's a real problem but so to this initiative so we we took this this statistic about how youth are turning to each other first and foremost um, when it comes to to suicidal ideation and we came up with this idea about um, I did a ton of research and I found that all the suicide uh, initiatives that I found are what I would kind of call defensive in that they talk a lot about education, but there isn't very much action. So it stops short at kind of just, well, let's make sure people know the warning signs and the risk factors and that, you know, if someone... Um, ask for help that um, they do their best to provide it. And don't get me wrong, anything is great. Yeah. But 
what the research has shown is that people who are struggling don't ask for help. They just don't. And this is most true of children because of what we just said, the stigma. They're not going to come forward and say, I need help. I, I, I need advice. I'm scared. I'm struggling. It's not enough for these initiatives to have a defensive strategy. So what I came up with was what I like to call an offensive youth suicide prevention strategy, which is that what we're doing are what what are called weekly mental health check-ins through um, what we're currently using. Uh, we are, we're currently partnered with um, this app called the Love Bomb app, um, which was founded by um, Mark Shapiro. And it it's um it's an app that was originally founded um for social messaging connection um and, and uh he founded it during covid to help people you know be less lonely and just connect and find uh you know just uh essentially make sure they kept their friendships going in a time when people couldn't see each other um and it's a daily connection I, tool yeah exactly exactly yeah. Um, and he reached out to me to thank me for my work on youth suicide. And I, uh, I got back to him and I said, uh, hey, Mark, uh, any chance uh, I, can, uh, I can commandeer your, your uh, app and turn it into a youth suicide prevention tool? <laughs> <laughs> and um, he was super cool about it. And um, he said, why not? You know, so um, we haven't we haven't built it out uh, super as far as we would like to, but what it exists so far is that um, what it's called is Friends for Life, and every Friday, what what we call Friends for Life Friday, you send a mental health check in, and what we do to make it super easy is that every Friday on the app, a graphic will populate. So a graphic will pop up that is mental health related. And I'll say something like, and I'll show you today, or I'll read you what today says, for instance, uh, you are beautiful, you are smart, you are caring, you are talented, you are reliable, you are fun, you are kind, you are remarkable. Yeah, I like you a lot. So um, that's just, it's a graphic. And so all you have to do is you literally take 30 seconds to either post it to Instagram or um, use Love Mom to send it to your friend. Ideally, we'd like you to also um, maybe attach a personal note that says, you know, hey, how's, how did this week go? You know, how's your mental health hanging in there? Is there yeah. anything I can do? But, you know, if you're having a really busy week or, you know, you're stressed yourself, if you can even just regram it, then you're helping with awareness. If you can just send the the photo, you're at least showing your friend how much you care. So, you know, anything you can do helps. And if you can only do it once a month, fine. If you don't want to use Love Bomb, if you just want to use a text message, fine. We totally don't care how you do it. We're not like, we're not making money on this. Love Bomb is free. Like we are not invested in the how. We're just invested in the in that you check in on your friends on a consistent basis and you ask them about their mental health so that because by doing that, it normalizes the conversation. It opens up the lines of communication and it 
makes it possible so that when that, if that day comes that that person really, you know, is in a very bad place, you've had that conversation enough times where they can say, you know what, actually, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. And on that day, we have every resource you could possibly needed listed on our website, every hotline, every crisis text line. We have handbooks. We have suicide prevention tools. We have a suicide uh, safety plan template. I could go on and on. So when and if that day comes, you go to our website and really what you do is you call 911. That's really what you do. I mean, that's that's the simple answer. Yeah, yeah. If, if they're just struggling, that's one thing. But if, if your friend says to you, I really think that I might be my my life might be at risk that you you do need to involve emergency services yeah, yeah, um yeah. but if you go to our website which is just end the we have all the resources you could need that's kind of the a summary about that that initiative yeah well look um i might just give the number for australia if you've got the number there for we, we're yeah. called lifeline in australia which is one three double one one four which you can call if you're feeling suicidal or if you're not feeling good about yourself and there's trained counsellors on there that you can talk to. Um, have you got a number there for America? It's called the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's 1-800-273-8255, okay? And there's there's a number of them. If you're in the part of the LGBTQ community, I would recommend that you check out the Trevor Project. Um, they have their own crisis text and hotline. Not that if you're part of the LGBT, you can't use the other one, but um, they're particularly well trained um, for the LGBTQ community. So that's and sometimes people prefer that if um, if there is a service, why not use it? I mean, I think as you just said, then with Lifeline, they've also introduced. Um, where you can just send a message because they realise that a lot of people don't actually want to speak to someone. They just want to talk through the message. So the other thing you can do is the crisis text line. So if you don't want to call, if you just want to text, um, you can, there's something called the crisis text line. And let me just clarify. I don't know if this is just for America. I think it might be. I would think it would be, yeah. It's a 24-7 service. Um, You text seven four one seven four one and text the word share so that's that's that and and you can follow them at, at crisis text line on instagram um so yeah those are a few resources but yeah, if you go good. to and the silent epidemic.org, we only have like five tabs at the top of our website and one of them is called mental health resource hub so that tab is literally just exactly what it sounds like a hub of all the resources you could need fantastic and the very first thing is just a slide with the most important numbers you could need okay so go back to what you were saying because uh uh you have you talked about your team yet yeah i'd love to talk about them so i feel so lucky about this um you know so i'm so passionate about this i spend about 16 hours a day on and the silent epidemic and um my teammates they also put in so much time and we're, we're all doing this by the way, completely volunteer. Um, no one's getting paid. No one's 
this because this is just all for passion. So the first teammate to join me was actually this 15 year old girl, believe it or not. And I adore her. Her name is Ava. I actually, she's become kind of like my little sister. Um, she is just a fierce mental health warrior. She is 15 years old and she is already a better mental health advocate than I am. And so her role in the campaign is the, the, youth content director. And what that means is this is a youth suicide prevention campaign. And we want to make sure we're staying true to what youth actually want. Yeah. Because what can happen is that when adults are running a youth campaign, they can sometimes accidentally get to a place where they're just kind of doing the things they think youth care about without actually addressing what youth actually care about. So what I pretty much do is I run almost everything I do by Ava. um, And I just say, granted, I'm 30. So I count as part of the youth, but I want to make sure that it's like applying to the broad spectrum. And one thing I do want to just say is I really want to add I want to get more men on my team, not more, a man on my team (laughs) Um, uh, and more men in my community in general, um, which is an issue we should talk about, which is that um, that men just don't, um, unfortunately, just don't get I don't think they feel welcome enough in the mental health community, but um, because I I would like to also. I don't know if it's that they don't feel welcome. I think it's still, um, and I don't like using stereotypes, but I think men are supposed to be strong, not show their emotions. I mean, maybe nowadays it's, well, it is changing, but I still think a lot of men sit with the same ideal of, um, I'm a man, I can't show my emotions, I have to get through with this, I have to do this. And it's okay to say, no, I need some help. Uh, there's a great initiative in the UK where I think it might be called Are You Okay? where you ask your friend if they're okay, but then they ask again, but are you really okay? Because a lot of times when someone says, are you okay? We'll just go, yeah, I'm okay. Exactly. And so then they've added, are you really okay? So that that way it can open up a conversation. I love I love that. And um, I, I, follow, I, I follow this campaign called um, Boys Cry Too. I like that. And um, I think it's called, there's one called Black Men Cry. Um, uh, and then there's one called Hugh Men. Um, so if you're a, if you're a mental health person, um, do what you can to, to really support men's mental health because it's struggling and we need to do everything we can to make men feel welcome and like they have a place in this community and that whatever that means and, and it needs to, it needs to look like it needs to look so that they feel comfortable. Um, but so back to my team. So, um, the other thing that Ava does is that she, um, as much as we can, um, on Wednesdays, we host something called Youth Perspectives, which is where she hosts an IG Live, where she sits down with uh, someone from her high school. And so it's two uh, teenagers, you know, 15, 16-year-olds, talking about a mental health issue. It's really amazing because 
you don't really see that often. Usually you only mostly see adults talking about mental health. So to see two 16 year olds sitting down and talking about mental health, it's, it's so refreshing and, and it's amazing um, how eloquent they are, how much they know, how, yeah. how curious they are. So um, if you're interested in that, check out our website because we have all the ep- past episodes uploaded um, under the tab. Um, I think it's called, um, uh, shoot, I don't know. It's, it's, it's up there. You'll find it. Yeah. <laughs> And it's also on all over our Instagram. It's um under our IGTV. Video. Yeah, I think I've seen them when I've been looking through. So um okay, so the next two, the other two uh, team members, um, the other really important component of our uh, campaign, it, actually the first component, is um, education. Which I mentioned that um that's actually the number one reason that people don't seek help. Ninety four percent is uh, of youth don't seek help because of lack of knowledge. The two, my two other team members are, um, what they do is that each of them produce, we call them mental health um, reels. What they are, are I'm sure you all know what a carousel is on, on social media. Um, the way, the reason we do this is that, to be frank, young people have a short attention span. We felt like the best way to get across this life-saving information was instead of writing a long blog post or certainly instead of just posting like scientific peer-reviewed articles, if we could do all that for them, if we could do all the research, if we could do all the boring, uh, like annoying stuff for them, and then we could like pare it down into really graphically interesting and simple like slideshows, youth would actually read them and get the information that could actually be life-saving. So that's, um, that, that's something, maybe it's not that unique, but I do, I like that part of how we do things. I feel like it's how we stay true to, to being a youth campaign. And, and, you know, we, we really try and focus on, we really, we always are trying to think, is this actually going to be effective to youth? Is this, you know, is this going to actually help youth? So one of my teammates, um, her name is Hannah. She, uh, she has her own campaign called Mental Health Ohio. You should check it out. It's um, at Mental Health Ohio. She is a high school teacher in, um, in Ohio, and she proudly stands in her truth that she has bipolar disorder. Um, and she, um, so she is a special, she, her expertise is that she um, spends her entire day with children. And also she herself has personal uh, mental health experience as, you know, someone who has bipolar disorder. So she writes a segment called Welcome to class. Um, it's geared more for um, the, the, see, the problem is when I say youth, that really um, means technically that means 10 to 34. So that's a pretty broad spectrum. So her her segment, Welcome to Class, is kind of more for the, I would say, 10 to 18 crowd. And it, it, it addresses kind of issues um, about balancing school and mental health, extracurriculars and mental wellness, um, body image. So things that are more important to someone who's 16 or 18 versus yeah thing that would be more important to someone who's 25 or 30. Um, So she does a great job and check that out if you can. Um, uh, My final teammate, um, and we are so lucky to have her, is um, someone named Nancy Cowden. She is a 30-year veteran therapist 
specifically uh, who has focused on youth mental health. And she writes a segment called Mental Health in Real Life. And she does, she puts such hard work into these segments. They're about 20 slides long. So we can only get um, 10 slides up on Instagram, unfortunately. That's the limit. Um, so you, you have to go to the website if you want to see the full one. But um, we put up everything we can. But um, by the way, all of this is 100% free, 100% yep. free. What's really great is that 80% of youth with a diagnosable mental illness in this country go without mental health treatment. Yep. So um, um, we call Nancy our campaign therapist. And now I'm not by any means saying that reading her segment somehow is like as good as going to therapy. Please don't misinterpret. No, me. It's a broad uh, term, isn't it? Of what she says can help you, but if you need proper help, then you right. should go and see a therapist. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm not at all saying don't see a therapist, but what I am saying is since 80% of people can't get help, what she does is she covers clinically relevant issues. So for example, you know, this, this, the most, the one she released just, uh, it was actually just maybe four days ago was she always covers things that are very, that, that are specific to um, a diagnosis like depression or anxiety or OCD. So for instance, the one released a few days ago was called, how do I cope with social anxiety? So um, it's very real, real life, realistic, and it's so helpful. What we do is we have a place where you can actually type in if there's a topic that you specifically want her to cover, go to our website and say, you know, I want to know about OCD. I want to know, I have panic attacks. How do I handle that? Go type it in and, you know, we can't guarantee it'll be next month, but we'll do our best and she'll, she'll try and create a reel for you. That's great because, yeah, as you say, uh, teenagers are more likely to sit and watch a reel that takes 15, 20, 30 seconds uh, than sit down and read a lot of information. I find also myself on Instagram, if someone's written uh, their update and it's got, I don't know, more than 30 words in it, I'm less likely to read it than if it's just bang, bang, bang. Um, And that's because we we just want to see what's there. We don't we don't necessarily want to go on there and read um, a peer reviewed statement. Exactly. Uh, If we want to do that, we'd go and find that. We'd Google it and find it, and then read that. Especially youth. Let's be honest. You know, youth especially. We we young people have gotten so used to instantaneous gratification and and like you know, they're not like uh, people like you and I, we had to learn how to like, we were forced to read and yeah, like, yeah, do yeah. all these things. But young people nowadays, they, they, they didn't have to do that stuff. So. Um, and the thing is as well, is that if they do go, if they do watch your reel and they're interested, then they will go away and find more information on it. Yeah, exactly. So it's giving them the idea. Exactly. It's, it's the bullet points and, and, and it really can be life-saving uh, information. So that's great. Well, look, um, unfortunately we're going to have to leave it there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can so that- I say, um, it's just going to take 30 seconds. I want to say one last thing. Yep. We are doing um, one really important initiative and, um, Daniel and I are going to do a live on it on Wednesday. So um, uh, if you can catch it, great. But what it is, is that we are collecting letters to give to young people that are currently hospitalized in inpatient mental health 
facilities because it is one of the most scary times that you can go through. So if you're interested, just go to our website. All the details are there. It takes 10 minutes. I've put up templates so you can literally just copy and paste and put in just a few personalized words. And honestly, you will make it you will change a child's life by just spending five minutes doing this. So look it up if you have the time. And it's at endthesilentepidemic.org. Exactly. Yeah. And what, what is, what are you on Instagram? Are you the same end the silent epidemic? The silent epidemic at end the silent epidemic. Yep. Yeah, so people can get you in those places. And uh, look, I'm sure they will. Uh, We've had a few people watch our live from Instagram um, and a few people comment uh it's it's touching base with those people who i guess have an interest or are okay with uh listening or talking about suicide i have had a couple of podcasts i've done on suicide and they've rated really well i i think uh like we said before it's more about the people actually uh listening rather than being visual about what's happening Exactly. Well, Daniel, I could not be more grateful. You know, you've given me such a platform. I know this is a hard subject for some people, but it's such an important subject. And I'm so grateful to you. And you you do such important work and and you put out such positive and, and but also important messages. We do. We try our best. Well, look, thank you for joining me today. All right. Thank you so much, Daniel. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you want to contact us, we're available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have a website, lifechangesyou.com.au. So until next time, take care of each other, and thanks for listening.